Welcome back, everybody, to Film Music Focus. Today we have the immense pleasure of speaking with composer Patrick Doyle, whom all of you know. And after so many decades of music composition for film and an incredible amount of concert music kind of in um, tangentially at the same time, uh, from a family of lots of singers, as perhaps we'll, we'll talk about later on, we're, we're so happy to have you, Mr. Doyle. Thank you for being here, and, and welcome to Film Music Focus with Cine Concerts. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Justin, and hello to everyone who's, who's joining us for this uh, conversation. Uh, it's a real privilege and an honor to be asked to do this. What is it like in, in, this, in this moment, um, kind of taking even just 10 seconds to reflect on the immense amount of contribution and um, evolution that you've helped shape the film music industry, the co- music composition in this art, this beautiful art that we call film music. Um, mm-hmm. What's it like for you just kind of just even looking back for a few seconds? Well, um, I am so busy moving forward and not thinking back, being <laughs> the kind of person I am, um, that it's uh, rather than, uh, you know, contemplate my navel and looking back <laughs> on what I do. Um, when I do look back, I'm always amazed at uh, um, at the wonderful opportunities I've had in life um, to see wonderful cities all over the world and, and in those cities to, uh, to visit them, not only to see the beauty of the world, but also to hear my music being played uh, by musicians all over the world, including Los Angeles and um, in Prague, in Budapest, of course, here in London, up in Scotland, uh, in my home country. Um, I, I'm very privileged because I've, I've worked with extraordinarily talented uh, artists, directors and designers and um, uh, all producers and great writers. So I've had a very uh, privileged and blessed career so far and uh, I'm well and healthy and uh, we're all still functioning despite this extraordinary dystopian <laughs> world we're living in that no one knows quite how to <laughs> deal with it mentally. But we all, we all are very resilient human beings. But um, it's nice to look back and um, with the help of my wife and family and uh, yeah. uh, who supported me all through it. So I'm very fortunate and uh, long may it continue. Well, I think dystopian is a is a very accurate word to use right now. And and but you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying about looking forward. And you know, for a lot of our, our listeners out there, um, many of whom are, are young composers or orchestrators, conductors, arrangers, you know, up and coming or perhaps already kind of established their careers that that follow a little bit of of uh, what we're lucky to do over here at Senate Concerts. But I think that's an important um, concept because looking forward. As, as I see it, and, and perhaps you agree with this, perhaps not, and please chime in on this, is, is connected to this idea of, of constantly challenging yourself and putting yourself in situations that are not your comfort zone. And, and as, as we, we, we reach those uncomfortable situations as artists, it helps us to, um, to perhaps learn more efficiently, 
think about things in, in new and fresh ways and and all of the opportunities that you've you've been blessed with and you've earned in so many ways um, helps you to do that to look forward to continually kind of push your own uh, creative craft and and I, I think that's a um, it's an important part as an artist. I mean, that, that has to be part of your DNA. Otherwise, uh, you know. <laughs> you stop learning and then you stop. The thing is, the, the moment the curiosity stops, the creativity stops. Right. Um, and uh, it is, it's true what you say about pushing yourself and uh, trying new things. I've always taken chances, taken risks um, to be a, a success at anything or prove yourself at anything or, or to go for what your heart desires, you've got to push the boundaries, you've got to take chances, um, you've got to give yourself a, a few artistic sleepless nights um, yeah. and crash through the fear barrier and uh, put yourself into situations. I can do that, I can try that, I'll have a go at that. Um, you have an idea, you think, I'll try that. And uh, if you fail, you fail. Um, but generally speaking, if you have courage, it's a cliche, but if you have courage, and, and visualize it and push for it, it happens. Um, and uh, as I said earlier, because I'm constantly doing this moving forward, I forget, and you become a bit sort of um, tough on yourself. You think, actually, if it's all stopped tomorrow, I've sort of achieved a few goals. Uh, but, um, <laughs> right. you know, but the, but the, the moving forward, the moving forward we're talking about, it certainly keeps you, uh, keeps the brain active and keeps you alive. And uh, I know that through personal experience, uh, your one's music. If we're just talking about the, mu- the music, um, that's my 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 raison d'être, as the French would say. It's my métier, my reason for being. Um, that, if I can say without being too immodest, um, it gets richer and richer every time because you're pulling on a well of experience. And for the younger composers out there um uh keep doing it and the experience keep building and on that on, on your library of experience mm-hmm. um because it will it have courage because it will get stronger and better and different um i look back in 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 in, in the very early days of, of my career when you just you just shot from the hip as they say and you took chances <laughs> yeah, and everything right. else and it becomes slightly more measured through experience when you're older but it just becomes different. Um, it's not as if it's um, the quality is less all that time ago. It just becomes more assured right. and confident in your presentation of your music yeah. um, and belief in it. Uh, you, you become less terrified. <laughs> but one is always uh, anxious uh, to push the envelope. So I hope that's not too long an answer. No, you know, look, the, the longer the better. You know, the more information we can glean from you, the better. Um, let's pivot to uh, Henry V, mm-hmm. uh, St. Crispin's Day speech. Yeah. This, you know, the, yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this was your first feature film uh, with Mr. Yeah. Branagh. Yeah. And, and we'll kind of talk about that perhaps uh, as comfortable as you are to talk about that relationship um, and how it's kind of blossomed in an incredible way over the years. And so this was also a film you you had a role in. You, you were on camera in this, weren't you? Yeah, I played the role of Alexander Court. Um, That's right. You're... Who has, has one line. But... Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, he, he's, 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 uh, you see him um, sitting with the... 
the soldier who starts to, to question yeah. um, uh, the king. Um, and then you have the famous upon the speech. Brother John Bates, is not that the morning which breaks yonder? I think it be, but we have no great cause to desire the approach of day. I, I was on I was on screen on and off the screen throughout the entire picture as part of a, a coterie and an ensemble of actors that Ken uh, liked to have and still does work. Um, he's very loyal to his friends, her actors, and, and are hired because they're very very good actors. Mm -hmm. And some are you know some are you know world famous like Judy Dench and mm -hmm. Sadia Jacobi. Uh, um, so. Um, and um, you know, I, I played a, some various small parts in various films. I've done um, for fun to be, to really to drink in uh, the drama, literally, um, viscerally and live um, as right. it's been filmed. And uh, um, it's, I find that an extra bonus. And it's great to be part of. To, you really sort of soak up the spirit um, uh, of the the enterprise, the entire filming process. Sure. Um, so I lived. I lived with it. I lived with the picture, both as a performer and it all be just to be um, a cheerleader and a, a small part in it. But nevertheless, you could immerse yourself um, in what in what would have been this horrific um, yeah. experience for the soldiers. Difficult, difficult time in their lives. Um, so that and all the time, the music was a was a. Not the music, but the idea, the concern of doing the score right. at the end of this um, was going through my mind. Uh, it, it was obviously a constant thing because it was my very first film. What was unusual about it was you know, nobody's dominie, which appears at the mm. end of the picture. Yeah, that was required to be shot on camera, so that had to be written in advance of the film. Yeah, um, and I did a demo tape. Um, demonstrating that a full mock-up demo, and this was done on a Fairlight computer, the very first, you know, sample computer. <laughs> um, it, it was probably as big as it was big as uh, the TARDIS and uh, Doctor Who. Um, but nevertheless, it was a very good demo with the actors' help, the the choir, and they brought in um, we, we double tracked them. So that enabled me to. That was an audition piece actually. I got. Um, I was given a grant. Uh, or a small stipend to, to do that. Mm. Um, the Christmas Day speech um, that didn't, that emerged from the Nobis. It became that was inspired by. You can see a very strong similarity in, in the harmonies in the Christmas Day speech. Um, but uh, I remember I've been struggling with that scene um, and that wonderful soliloquy. And these soliloquies are arias. Um, they are operatic. Um, Speeches, there really other areas, um, and uh, I struggled with this. I'd, I'd obviously had seen Ken perform it, and I'd, I had, um, as I was there, and uh, and it was my first film. I, I I must have watched it a thousand times. I don't know how many times I watched it, fretting and fretting and fretting, and um, I sat down one day and uh, I started to improvise against the picture, and uh, um, I think between my Nerves and my and my anxiety about it, and the emotion of the speech. And it's, it's my great friend up there. It's our first opportunity, huge opportunity for myself and our family. Um, this is what you would call us was the big musical break. Um, and, I, and when I started to compose it, um, 
um, I, I, I was quite moved, the combination of what I was playing and what I saw. Um, so I saw that, uh, and I, I looked over, and in the distance in Shepparton Studios where I was working late, um, there was Annie, the, the continuity girl, was still working late. And um, so I called up her extension and I said, do you want to come and have a listen to this and tell me what you think? So she came over and I played it live too, because in those days I had a synth, string synth bed, um, a bed of synth strings. Um, and that was, sort of, that was, I suppose, my basic mock-up of a, an orchestra, just a step away from the piano and nearer the orchestra, and that would help Ken. Um, and in fact, I still have this keyboard. So I started to play this thing. I played it live. So I learned, learned. I wrote the, I wrote the piece throughout the entire, um, the build-up to the entire speech. And I, in those days, I learned to play it like a piano piece. I did a piano transcription of the entire thing. I would play it live to the, uh, the picture. And then, and then at one point I turned and she was crying her eyes out. She was just weeping watching this. And I thought, my God, she was as moved as I was. And then that was the same reaction I played to Ken. He was completely overwhelmed. <laughs> and then the producer, he called the producer, said, you've got to come and see this. So, so David Evans came, and I played it to him. Um, and he just went. He just completely went. Mm -hmm. And I thought, my God, wait till we hear an orchestra play this. Um, and then when the orchestra did play it, and Simon Rattle conducted it, and mm -hmm. that was a very... That was a huge surprise that I ever happened in my life. Yeah, That's a long story about that sort of serendipity and... Um, and when he conducted it, um, I then collapsed into a state of complete kind of emotional embarrassment. Yeah. Because my father was here and my sister was here. Wow. Um, so, and then Simon completely hung me, you know, and, and I, was, I was so embarrassed um, because of all the, the stress of this and the tension of this just completely sort of um, poured out of me and uh, the sluice opened. Um, and... Of course, no film has ever been the same. Nothing will ever top that unbelievable emotion. Um, and that piece then it suddenly took a life of its own and it still gets played. And um, it does, yeah. So whatever, whatever sometimes comes out of us all, um, and it's a miracle sometimes, um, whatever that I felt then still seems to uh, uh, translate and transmit. So... Um, I hope that I wasn't too long. And... Now, my fair cousin, if we are marked to die, we are enough to do our country loss. And if to live, the fewer men, the greater share of honor. God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. Rather, proclaim it, Westmoreland, through my host, that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport shall be made, and crowns for convoy put into his purse. We would not die in that man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand at tiptoe when this day is named and arouse him at the name of Crispian. He that shall see this day and live old age will yearly, on the vigil, feast his neighbors and say, tomorrow is Saint Crispin's 
Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say these wounds I had on Crispin's day. Old men forget. Yet all shall be forgot, but he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in their mouths as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester, be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world. But we in it shall be remembered. We few. We happy few. We band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speaks that thought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. One of the, the things that, that I have taken away from this St. Crispin's Day scene um, for, for many years, I mean, not only is it, it it's so harmonically rich, it's musically rich, uh, this is one of the, the earlier scenes kind of in our, our collective film history um, you know, obviously, Mr. Brano's performance was truly brilliant, and he brought mm-hmm. to the screen a fresh take on on, on Shakespeare, and and that's that that's not easy to do. Um, yeah. You know, every actor and their brother generally goes through Shakespeare at some point in their career if they're a serious actor, and 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 that in itself was a very daunting task. You know, how do you do something that everybody and their brother has attempted to do particularly yeah. in the uk where it's part of your dna out there uh-huh. um, yeah. you know which is a bit, not, not so much the same out here in the states but it, it is a part of your culture your history your dna um and so all of a sudden we have this scene that is um by itself um very daunting and then here you are in your first film and and, and you come on as a composer what do you do but it has been emulated so many times since that the music, your music, has been emulated so many times um, in, in films and films and films in the decades past. And this, this rousing feel, this seriousness, yeah. this, this, um, this great weight that we feel in the scene is not only presented in the music, but there's also this other element, which one of the roles perhaps of music and film is to help give you what you cannot see, what yeah. you cannot hear, and to lift that particular emotion or emotions or highlight them and i think your music does that here and and as i said it's been it's been emulated so many times over the years i mean even just you know the the uh yeah you know yeah 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 you know Um, that that in itself i mean (laughs) um (laughs) but it's well it's it's it was so fresh in 1989 well the thing is i i don't know it's uh that that um I suppose that comes from my Celtic background, <laughs> those kind of figures. Um, uh, th- th- those turns and, and melismatic mil- figures, as I call them, yeah. it's, it, it really comes from where I, my, my Celtic DNA. And I, I think they also, you know, I cannot underestimate, one cannot underestimate the incredible performance that Ken gives and, his rendition of that speech is so 
inspiring and she is incredibly musical and has a wonderful a wonderful breadth of of, of uh, vocal um uh vocal range his vocal speaking range is extraordinary this incredible high baritone he is in terms of the the mm -hmm. human voice um and uh and the way his voice soars as i say like a like, like a it's a lyrical aria it's an aria in words so all I did was follow this performance of his. So really, the, the, I suppose I had watched it so often, I actually knew his, I'd studied his interpretation inside out. And then when I, when I, I struck the, the chord and key with this aria, then I set sail for the rest of the, all the other, uh, the half lower, uh, once more into the breach, that, that, that aria as well. Um, and upon the king, I, I just knew that that works. So my, and then I started to follow my instinct. But that that chord sequence uh, for the Christmas speech, I, I, it became it was actually part of my sort of fun set of chords. I would sit at a piano mm -hmm. and play those chords. Da, de, da. You know, the, it was chord one, and he's got a seventh, and he's got the first verse, and he's got a chord, yeah. the fourth chord. Um, so that that was a progression that I actually quite enjoyed, just, mm. uh, and then I and I thought, oh my god, do I, do I use this in this film? And um, why not? Uh, there's no, there's nobody, there's no rules, I suppose. Uh, mm. And no one, no one explained to me how to score for a picture. I just followed my instinct as someone who'd always been in retrospect yeah. at that point, passionate about the film. But um, this sort of filigree figure, little, 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 and also. Going from chord one to chord four, chord one to chord four, unashamedly, and not making it any more complicated. Yeah, this is um, that in reposition to chord four. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and I felt this was a and the, the repetitive nature of it um, sort of reinforced this and this, this all this little 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 that figure. I I saw that as a kind of the the butterfly in the tummy. Of anxiety for the soldiers, and I—that mm. I, I, was a sort of physical manifestation of that, really. Um, and uh, but the middle section, um, when it goes in, because at one point I was stuck. Uh, it's in key of C, and I was stuck, and I thought, I can't advance this. It's got to progress, and it's got to, to keep the interest going and to keep this build going. Um, and. Uh, so I went home one night and uh, I thought it's got to go somewhere else. And um, uh, and then, believe it or not, if I can say this, I was actually I went to the toilet one night and um, and then I was standing there and uh, and then suddenly the whole middle section came into my head <laughs> about twelve o'clock at night and I quickly finished in the toilet, ran downstairs and I grabbed a. And my wife says, where are you going? I said, ah, hold on. So I ran downstairs and I grabbed a piece of paper. I wrote out some lines. And, and this middle section, I heard the whole middle section. Da, da, dee, da, da, yeah. da, ba, da, dee, ba, ba, da, dee, da. Um, and then in the following day, and I couldn't wait to get to sleep to come in the following day. And I thought, that's what it needs. It's something to go from C to E major. And it's a standard thing. It's not, it's not, it's not the first time that's been done. It's not the last thing, time either. But it seemed to be the perfect, um, perfect modulation, and then back again to C. So that was the sort of the build that I needed, and uh, so. Uh, but it it didn't just I didn't just come. It, there was a lot of work and a lot of sweat 
Sure. And subconscious before it all poured out. Sure. Um, but anyway, so I hope that helps. <laughs> no, it's it, it's it's an interesting process, you know, creatively, right? You know, where it, it depending on what issue you're needing to solve or what problem ultimately you're needing to solve. And and I've kind of viewed um, certainly with, with uh, not even remotely the amount of experience that you've had working in, in, in film as far as writing music for film, but it seems as though that, that we're presented with a number of, of problems that, that need solutions. And and that's the, one of the jobs as the composer is to come up with solutions. And, and one of the things I've always appreciated about your music and as you as a composer is that you're very much... I I mean this in the best of ways, a composer's composer, and you're a very serious writer, and you're always thinking about harmony and rhythm in a, in a in a in a very trained, complex way. And oftentimes, the music you you give us um, gives us very simple emotions. Oftentimes, it gives us very complex emotions: a little bit of romance, a little bit of anger, a little bit of suspense. You know, all these things. Um, and and your training comes out so much, I think, and. And one of the things that, that I appreciate about, let's take a look at this next thing in, in, uh, from 1993, Much Ado About Nothing. And mm-hmm. if, I, if I may comment that you've had such a wonderful opportunity over the course of your career to really deal with some very serious subject matter um, mm-hmm. in, in your films. And, and whether or not you play it seriously or comedically or lightly or whatever it is, um, it is, of course, the solution for each unique problem. But I don't know how you feel about the following, but I, I think from a compositional standpoint, one of the most challenging things in music as a composer is form. And, mm-hmm. and particularly when you're in a vacuum, like a concert environment, you're writing concert music, you, you're not really given form. You to get, come up with all of your own form. And of course, one of the reasons why Beethoven was one of the greatest geniuses in our craft. He's the king of form. And I still think... Mm-hmm. Anything you need to know about form is in a Beethoven sonata. Pick your pick yeah, your sonata. Absolutely. In film, it's a life it's a lifetime study. You're you're right. Yeah, you're and more in film. You're given a little bit of that form. So let's talk about this next scene. Um, much ado about nothing. This is towards the end here. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's super hilarious. It's so funny how he delivers all these lines, but. Where you choose to place your music, the form of great dialogue, the form of basically stage acting. In this scene, how did you determine where your music came from? Here it is. Well, this is the point where Peters and Benedict suddenly you just give up. And uh, they absolutely own up. We adore each other. And there's a, so the music has to say, ah, oh, okay. They really, they do love each other. There. So when it comes in, it's saying, this is, this is the tie-up. This is the tie-up at the end. This is the, but um, the drama has finally come to an end, and there's, the audience want to see this. So the music says, okay, you can have this. You're right. It's all fine now. They adore each other. The fun's over. Now they really deeply. So they, I guess it's frivolous. Um, uh, image that we see from them on the, the inside, they're just crazy about each other, and the romance is as strong as could be. <laughs> um, so I, you're playing what's going on inside, and what also yeah. with the audience, it's, it's like give them what they want. The audience really want right. a little bow wrapped here, right? Um, so, and um, 
and I use um, the theme Pardon God is Other Night, um, a little variation on that. Mm. And then it, it develops into when 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 uh, Claudio comes over, you get a, you get a bit of his music. So mm. it becomes little light motifs that actually represent each character, their little operatic uh, motif throughout the the film. And um, and also the, the octave again, body that represents. Um, the opening where the two, the women and the men get together, the very opening, and also uh, it, that is reprised in the middle of the picture where you see um, uh, you see Benedict um, letting, letting as the audience know is 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 in love with her, Beatrice, yeah. and you see her on the swing, and it reprises there. So there's a touch of that there, um, and of course. The Sign of All Ladies comes at the very end, this cathartic dance at the end, where, um, where Shakespeare um, says, let's dance, let's all have a party now uh, to <laughs> yeah, celebrate. That's right, that's right. Uh, so really, that's that. those are the things that actually consciously went through my head um, because it was so rich in different melodies, that picture, because that was written over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the overture... Um, of much ado was written on the banks of a Scottish loch. Um, oh. by the only lake in Scotland is called Lake Menteith. So although a lot of the melodies were conceived in in uh, conceived in, in Italy, um, uh, uh, certainly they all came come rushing out in the overture, which took I spent a month writing that overture. And I knew wow. it so well, I could actually play a piano reduction of the entire overture. Wow. Well, I did my damnedest to do so. Um, so all mm. of those, it's that, that is a proper operatic overture, mm-hmm. the overture to this picture. That's a gift for a composer. So everything is in that overture appears in all sorts of different um, guises throughout the entire mm. film. This is a very, <clears throat> a very delicate um, yeah. uh, summary of 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 the themes right mm-hmm. wrapped up in a little bow. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> no and, and as I said, a composer's composer. I mean it's it's refreshing to hear these kinds of reactions all these years later. Um and, and astonishing actually that you can recall um all of these things. And, and Oh I remember and, clearly I remember it's like a films of a musical diary. Um as yeah. you as you know, I mean it's like somebody hears a song and suddenly get a flashback yeah. to this college dance yeah. and they know who was there, who was who was drunk, who was badly behaved, who, who was great fun, who was a pain in the ass, you know, and, <laughs> and who you still yeah. love and you still keep contact with. And I'm lucky there's a lot of people I still really keep in contact with in my college days. Um but uh no I, I can I, I remember of course I spent six weeks in Tuscany. Wow. Um I I I um, I I played a, a small part in the picture, and um, again and uh, again, <laughs> and I sang I sang some songs in it. So um, I spent six weeks there um, and soaked up this extraordinary country, um, uh, the countryside in the city of. Um, I mean, it's so blasé, it's unbelievable. It's so blasé. Someone said, "Do you want to go to? Do you want to go to Florence?" I said, well, "I can't be bothered tonight." <laughs> <laughs> That's He's a, like, what am I saying here? Yeah, I can't a, be bothered going to Florence tonight. Oh, so it's 35 minutes away. So I caught myself saying that once. I thought, no, I think I'll be going to Florence. By my troth, a good song. And an ill singer, my lord. <laughs>
No, no, faith, thou singest well enough. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm very, very blessed that um, all those weeks there in great company. Um, in fact, it was, we're working with Ken. Um, he, he, he said, and it's in here, uh, the pardon got, uh, the pardon goddess of the night has already been written. And Ken said, oh, I'd like, um, possibly please, uh, procession music. Uh, I'd like the actors to sing it going up in short. And I said, okay, when, when's that? I said, for tomorrow? I went, oh, great. Mm. So I went away that night and I, and I, I sat down and I did a, um, a minor version of the song which I sang at Hero's Grave. Um, and the actors were called to the tennis court in this huge villa the following day. And I taught them this two part. I gave, I gave some a drone and the rest sang the melody on top of it. Um, it's like plain chant meets Celtic music. So that's what appears in the in the, the film, and uh, we actually use the actors' um, recording from that location as well as professional singers. And we did the same thing for Simon Moore. Um, we, I recorded them all in the central courtyard. You see the camera going through the central courtyard. Courtyard. I recorded all the actors. They all came. Like a proper repertory company. Everyone was called. I asked a call for a, a singing call. All the actors appeared. Um, and uh, in half in caution, otherwise, you know, and uh, um, I had this idea to record them all singing a couple of verses of Silent Moore. Um, and all those actors are in that last recording where you see them, mm. the camera going up and everyone dancing. Yeah. So that's full of professional singers and all the cast. Oh, that's fun. Captured on the day. So yeah. um, it, it, it's real repertory theater, um, uh, what would you say? Uh, ethos right. that we brought to the film, so everyone joins in, and uh, it's, it's a sort of organic, growing process, and it's still the same with Ken. It's still the same. Nothing's changed. Brought to you by Cine Concerts.